to Geek Squatch, everybody, where nostalgia finds a giant hairy beast and spits out a podcast about 80s and 90s nerd culture. This week, we are covering a masterpiece of girl power fantasy, teamwork, and love. Yeah, boys, get excited. This is your episode. It's the one named Sailor Moon. My name's Jamie McAllister. You may have noticed I'm a chick, which is not normal for this podcast. So, hi. You're stuck with me tonight, but the guys are also here. Uh, I will be your bumbling but lovable meatball host for the next hour, and our other Sailor Scouts include, ladies first, newcomer to the show, Petrocat09. Welcome. Thanks. We're so happy to have some girl power here. I am. (laughs) I don't know, guys. Yeah, of course. It's it's refreshing. It really is. Yeah, we're tired of staring at each other's ugly mugs all the time. That's fair. I can totally understand that. Yeah. Yeah, and I dress down for this podcast, so... Oh, it's a no pants party over there. And that is the one and only Alex Hirsch. Say hi, Alex. Don't you tell those people my name. I don't want anyone to know who I am. I'm sorry. Hey, guys. Here, Here, I'll ask you the question Caleb wanted me to ask you instead. What's your favorite planet? In general? I thought it was applicable. My favorite planet in general or like like, like with reference to Sailor Moon? Either or. Um, (laughs) Or both. Okay. Well, okay, in our okay, so in our solar system, my favorite planet is most definitely Venus, but that's only because of the like small amount of footage that we re- that we retrieved from that Russian lander back in like '79, I think it was. Um, Venus looks goddamn horrifying, um, and then you have <laughs> Jupiter, which I think is also cool, but I I cannot mentally imagine what Jupiter looks like beneath its. You know, I guess atmosphere or beneath beneath the surface of what you see uh, in satellite images. So I think Jupiter is also very cool. I'm going to cut in and say my favorites. So I by far like Saturn and Mm. uh, yeah, Saturn both for Sailor Moon and for the the cosmos. Oh, okay. Dark horse. Yeah. And last but not least. My mammo chan. <laughs> Caleb. What's up? What's your favorite planet? Um, Which one is the one with the really tall sailor? Oh, you're... <laughs> uh, there's several. Uh... <laughs> Jupiter would be the one you're thinking yeah, of. Yeah, Jupiter, yeah. But there, that's there my are favorite like sailor. No, she's not scouts. really from that planet. No, though, I know right? that. I know that. <laughs> I think. But no, that, she's like my favorite uh, uh, of the characters because I think she's hot. Because she reminds me of Jamie. And... <laughs> and then my favorite planet is Saturn. Because I like the rings. Sailor Sailor Jupiter is also my favorite scout. Yeah, She's pretty kick-ass. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty... She is. But... Also, there's another thing we watched where... Oh my god. We, we'll we talk about it later. the <laughs> worst fan movie creation of Sailor Moon. I feel like talking about it. I saw it. your no. tweet about that. I'm oh, slightly terrified, oh. gonna be honest. If that oh, wasn't... Mm. Are we gonna talk about that later, you said? I think we should talk about it later. I don't really... Let's not spoil it. Oh, Stay tuned. Yeah, stay tuned. Because okay, everybody... Because I have something to say about that. There's a, a treat. It, it, yeah. A treat. Yay. Great. And with that, oh, do I introduce myself? I'm yeah, Jamie. Should. Hi, I'm Caleb's wife, and I got roped into doing this. So, <laughs> yay, Sailor Moon! And you're, and you're just doing, you're doing great. Oh, thanks. That's so nice. Yeah. So, break now. Break now. Break now. 
Welcome back. We've had a fantastic time at break. I hope you did too, but not too fantastic because we want you to still be here. Uh, So now before we get any further into the actual show, let's hit the Wayback Machine and turn that flux capacitor back to the year Sailor Moon was released in the U.S. 1995. At that beautiful time, Caleb was a stunning 13-year-old stud, I'm sure. Yeah, also that. Was your voice cracking? um, Of course. (laughs) At that point? Probably. <laughs> Probably. Just, just maybe. <laughs> that, I peeked out on that. Yeah. Yeah. Woo! Caleb, uh, Caleb was already like like six foot nine when he was 13 years old. He, he had a beard. That, right? It was great. I was like 5'10 in eighth grade. Were you trying to grow nice. hair by that point? No, I couldn't. Were I couldn't you doing grow that like ugly no. caterpillary thing that boys do? I don't think so. I think I had a really hard time with facial hair, actually. Huh. Yeah. Surprising. Alex yeah. just looked yeah. like a dragon. Yeah. Right. I am a dragon deep down inside. <laughs> it's a spirit animal. Yeah. I identify as a dragon. Please continue, Jamie. I was, <laughs> I was 12 and Alex the dragon and Petra were eight. Young, so young and sweet, innocent. Yeah. No facial hair there. Well, maybe Alex. I but. would hope not. No. <laughs> no. I did was... do that. I did do the horrible, um, the horrible mustache thing for like five years. Oh, God, really that, that dead well, caterpillar thing. Well, it's not I that, actually. It was cool. more... So here's what happened, okay? Uh-huh. This shit, the beard itself didn't really start to grow until much, much, much later. But the mustache and, like, and chin hairs and, like, the soul patch, like, the... Okay. I had what I have, what I refer to as the Three Musketeers situation for a long time. I had this, like, D'Artagnan, like, Van Dyke sort of... Facial hair from the time I was like fourteen until I was about twenty. It was really uh, bad. But and I also you're had talking like, You're talking about the thing where you don't have anything like on the side. No like connector. Hair, yeah. Like... No connectors on the on the no struts gotcha. on the lips right. there. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, and I also had sideburns <laughs> down like to my jawline, but also they were like long as shit. So I was a. So you were like getting laid mess. like every other minute. Well, what's ridiculous is women liked it. Like they were into me. <laughs> At I don't know 12? what happened. Eventually, like, it's it. Oh man, I wasn't getting laid at all. Come on, like let's not be ridiculous. But people, like, I was, I was doing okay with the ladies. All right, uh, and then something happened about like 19 years old. I cut all my hair off. I started going bald, and then now I'm just this troll monster, and it's fine. Oh, it's all fine. The Samson complex. Cut yeah, the hair. His lose power the is power. Gone. Well, what happened was it all started to disappear from the top and sprout out of the bottom, and now I'm stronger than ever. I guess. <laughs> oh well, there you go. I'm just not as handsome. Done that's what it, that's how it is. Done. He can braid his pubes. I can. Yes. Way too much information. I have one uh, nipple the Nintendo here that's like Virtual four Boy long. came out for the low, low price of $179.99. Yeah, it was $19.99 six months after when everyone decided they hated it. 90, but God, that thing was a piece of crap. Uh, this Super Jenny Gymnast doll was released in $49.99. Yeah. $50 bucks gets you a doll that can swing around a bar. That sounds wrong. <laughs> yeah, you, could, you could get that for free on any Friday night at, at the right saloon. I live close enough place. to West Virginia, man. You could just you, know, you could pick those up on the street. They're it's just really the, the vertical curb. horizontal differentiator there. They almost there, went horizontal, very... and then the last minute somebody was like in a board beating. You know, maybe <laughs> you know, not. <laughs> let's let's think about this, guys. A Clueless opened in theaters July twenty first. Alicia oh Silverstone, a mid nineties it girl. Oh, and whatever became popular because of it. Yep. 95, babies. Do you remember the, from... the song? Like, loser, loser, L- double loser, as loser, it, yeah. whatever. Yeah. 
I don't remember all the as if and all that, but... Oh, no, it's loser, stuff. loser, double loser, loser, as if, whatever, get the picture, duh. And then you had to hit the guy and, in the head. It was really oh, violent, And everybody actually. is oh, missing no. the beautiful visual here because Petra has every single one of she's those motions going here. <laughs> like the, There's a movement where she's hitting the head and everything. I'm so impressed. <laughs> I will give... 50 per points to the person <laughs> from this podcast who comes by my stream and says, I want to see you do loser, loser, double loser. <laughs> Straight up. Yes! yes. Oh There's your Easter egg for Italian. Caleb just said he will do that. I will do that. I'm really excited. <laughs> I'm really excited for that video. <laughs> uh, Selena becomes the first Hispanic singer to have an album debut at peak number one on the Billboard US 200 chart. Also becomes the first and only female singer to place five albums simultaneously on the Billboard 200 chart. It's pretty crazy stuff. <sighs> the only thing I know of Selena is J-Lo playing her. We watch that movie every year in Spanish class. It just makes it, me sad. Is it weird? Maybe I was just too young. So Petra, I think this question's more for you. So my wife is my age. Um, and she remembers Selena. Like not as, the, not as a movie. She remembers Selena being a thing. Yeah. Totally over my head, I have right? zero. There's, no. Yep. Whenever Selena's mentioned, people are like, oh my god, that yep. sweet little angel. And I'm like, I have no fucking clue who that person is. Yeah. That is another person that died. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. People I, just yeah. didn't want to see uh, Jennifer Lopez bite it. That's what that boy. Oh down god, to. that was sad, too. I actually thought you were talking mm. about Selena Gomez for a second. I was <laughs> like, 1995, Selena Gomez about? is born. <laughs> Bieber took her down. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, you mean that person I don't know anything about? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm totally with you, Alex. I, Wait. nope. Zero concept. You guys haven't even seen the movie? Like, uh, I nope. literally watched that movie every single time I took Spanish. Okay, well, I took French, so. Oh, well, there, there goes that. Yeah. I did too. The Emperor Chess I saw. I, saw but I did. I did. I was forced to watch Selena at some point. I can't remember why. I'm sure I made you do it. Probably. Je suis un anana. I am a pineapple. It's the only French I know. Also, Wait. Selena Gomez was born in 1992. She's just slightly older than I thought. Wow. I mean, just a little bit. Still 11 years, years old in reality, though. Oh, yeah. yeah. So. Anyway. The- so that's what was happening in 95 when Sailor Moon was released in Japan. Because it didn't mm. come to the States till later. That exactly. came in 1995. I don't think so. No, because no, I... Yeah, well, let's... let's You guys continue. We're going to spot check this. Yeah. Uh, so, well, the origins, we'll start with the author. Uh, okay, so pronunciation. Caleb, do you have any clue? I've got Takeuchi. I, got okay. I know that part, but the, the, her first name. Naoko. I, Naoko? There is that go. the pronunciation? All right. Yeah. So she's a pharmacist with a degree in chemistry who's just like, hey, you know what I really want to do with my life? Not math and shit. I want to draw. That's <laughs> for Like you, you do. <laughs> And she began her ascent into the world of mango with her... Did you change this to mango? I did not. <laughs> All right. I'm manja. 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 You guys are the worst. Uh, with her first, and may I say, award-winning publication at the tender age of 19. What were y'all doing at 19? Oh, Drunk. man. Nothing. Because I bet it wasn't being a chemistry... <laughs> pharmacist with a, an award-winning manga. She's a, what we would call a typical Japanese overachiever. Right? Good lord. No, she's just normal. She's yeah, like a well, C student over at this there level she, here. Yeah, exactly. yeah. This is two episodes in a row where a 19-year-old Japanese professional f- woman has crushed it. Right? Mm-hmm. You guys remember last episode, Street Fighter, uh, right. the composer, 
Yeah. She nailed it. So, so young. That's pretty cool. What's up, Japan, God. man? Keep that yeah. shit going. 19, I think man. I figured it out. No... So, in 1995, DIC won the rights to Sailor Moon in North America. The series was a 65-episode right. package with seven episodes cut for unknown reasons. Conspiracy Right, theory. that's when it came to America. Yeah. It's... Okay. Okay, so, so it is right. it was right. in Japan in 92. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. That's where the numbers were weird. Okay. Um... So Takeuchi, she did in 19, she writes her first award-winning publication, which kind of launches her into the manga industry. Um, she did some short one pieces from there, just, you know, one shot kind of, this is my thing and it didn't go anywhere. It wasn't serialized or anything. Uh, and then she went to work, uh, for Nakayoshi, a famous producer of manga. It's one of those magazines that they put out in Japan just with, um, with just manga in it. And they, it's like a publisher. I wonder I if that's like mostly, um girl oriented stuff because Shojin Jump is the only one I'm really they had they carry a bunch of stuff I don't know that it was all just chick stuff but I know they had a bunch of stuff that they produced and they're very very famous and still established now it's like the tiger beat of yeah uh, anime it's very girl oriented (laughs) okay tiger beat ah right (laughs) (laughs) JTT what um flashbacks so she was working on the Cherry Project at the time. Um, I don't believe she wrote it, but she was illustrating for it and such. And that was a female ice skater based manga. Uh, she was really into fashion, actually. She modeled a lot of her stuff off of actual ice skaters. And even the Sailor Moon fashions and stuff were, uh, you can find like Versace and Chanel dresses that are almost exactly the dresses that are worn by uh, Princess Serenity or Black Lady and, you know, later on in the series. Wow. Other things. That, I mean, almost direct models off yeah. of well, looking dresses. At, see, I didn't know that, but looking at the model... Um sort of the physique that the sailor characters carry, it's not necessarily, it's not like every single other uh, female interpretation in anime or, or in manga that you find. They're, yeah, they're very tall, very skinny, um, and very model-esque as far as like the body type goes. So, Which makes and sense. When you say that, I'm like, I immediately see like Princess Serenity and I'm like, okay, yeah, I can see this 100% looking like a fashion paper doll, like a fashion drawing. You know? Absolutely. And that's kind of her style, too. If mm-hmm. you look at her the way stuff. she draws, it's very mm-hmm. fashion design Those watercolors are on point. Yeah, I remember so that was one of my sense. favorite things about the mangas because they always had, like, five color pictures of, like, all the girls dressed. And they weren't doing anything that had to do with anything in the manga, <laughs> but they looked freaking on point. It was great. And that's all that really matters. Yeah. I just want to look pretty. pretty uh, so while she's working... exactly she was the original snapchat uh so she's working on the cherry project for this magazine and she wants to do her own thing that focuses on outer space and girl fighters and so she brings it to her editor fumio asano and asks her to and her editor says you know what i like the idea sounds good but can we put those fighters in sailor suits like you do. I want, them Which, to be, I want them to be space fighter girls. Okay, cool, but can we Japan that up just a notch? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, just take it up another How level. How do we make this sexier? Can you uh, add and... any dog police? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and that, she took that uh, criticism, apparently, and moved that forward, and that concept became a one-shot called Codename Sailor V. And so Codename Sailor V began serialization in Run Run, which is a side magazine off of the one she was already working on. And then when she started, that picked up a little bit and she was approached by 
is it Toei Animation? Toei, yeah. Okay. Um, who planned to adapt that manga into an anime series, but she couldn't do it off of just the one character, apparently, because that was too single track and too similar to everything else that was already out there. So she reworked Sailor V, added, adding four other superheroines, which became Sailor Moon. Hmm. And Sailor Moon is what was picked up um, by the actual, the original uh, magazine that she was working for, Nakayoshi. So they picked up Sailor Moon, and that's kind of what launched it. Sailor V ran continuously alongside of it um, for years. Uh, it looks like 97 is when that fell off because Run Run stopped being in publication. And then they had one more chapter after that that kind of tied the two series together. Which makes that's sense. That's where Venus came from? Yeah. Like, the whole thing right. about the show in, like, the first season of Sailor Moon is, like... Usagi is like obsessed with Sailor V. There's all these references mm-hmm. to Sailor V as this like superstar, um, and so it makes sense. a well-established yeah. Sailor hero before right. any of the Sailor Moon stuff happened. Yeah, and so they they I thought this is actually one of the best ways that like a parallel universe kind of uh, publication made the jump back into itself because they did I, I I felt they did a pretty good job of being like those two characters who. Sailor V having her own series as a protagonist, suddenly she's thrown in and finds out she's not actually the savior of the galaxy Usagi is. Right. And like, she has to deal with that, and I thought they did it very well. Just, just saying. Yeah, no, I actually love that arc, too. And I love that even in Sailor Moon, they don't buy into anybody else being the savior except for Sailor V until the final reveal where you find out that Usagi is actually the moon princess. Because up until that point, they all are pretty well sold that Venus is the moon princess. Yeah, even and Usagi is herself is like, there's no way yeah. I could be this because it's Sailor V. You know? Yeah. So, um, so the manga was super, super popular. Uh, and it ran in Japan under Pretty Soldier Sailor Moon. That's the original incarnation. Of course, Americans know it as just Sailor Moon because we dropped the Pretty Soldier when we got it. Uh, and it ran in Nakayoshi from 92 till 97, which is a fantastic run. That's five years, five arcs, which runs from Sailor Moon to Sailor Moon S or whatever, super, the last one. I can't remember. It's- or somewhere. We'll get there later. Um, the first edition consisted of 18 volumes, covering 52 acts, with volume 11 containing short stories that did not follow the main storyline, but you got a whole bunch of extra stuff, which, you know, people always like. Uh, starting in 2003, the series was re-released in Japan in a new format known as the Renewal Edition, basically Let's Make More Money Edition, uh, the Newly Bound <laughs> Edition. And in this new edition, slight corrections were made to dialogue and art, and that ran about 12 volumes. So uh, people just kind of got a re-up. It's had a resurgence on and off. It's one of those series that seems to make wave, a wave of popularity throughout Japan. It's, it's really, really popular when it first comes out, and then it kind of dips for a while, and then a couple years later it comes back, uh, that kind of thing. Um, and so, okay, so that was that. And then Sailor V... Uh, ran concurrently alongside it until 97 when Run Run went out of production. And they were supposed to get an anime adaptation as well uh, because it had also done really well. But the magazine Run Run, of course, went out of print and so the adaptation died there too. And they're just like, yeah, well, clearly this is not working for anybody. 
Since its release, Pretty Soldier Sailor Moon has received wide critical acclaim, has become one of the most popular manga and anime series worldwide. The entire series has sold over 35 million copies worldwide, making it one of the highest selling shoujo series ever. Uh, reviewers have praised the art, the characterization, the humor of the story. Anime is popular in several countries, arguably one of the most influential in boosting the popularity of Japanese animation and Western culture. Sailor Moon uh, was often cited with popularizing the concept of a team of magical girls, which I thought was actually pretty interesting because I didn't think that that was like a really new concept. I never heard of it before this show, this show. So, a team of magical girls. Yeah, I don't think that yeah. we had anything on the air at that point that would have been like even in manga though. Like I feel like manga mm. kind of oh, was... all over the place. There was definitely stuff in like the the sort of magical girl idea existed before Sailor Moon, but I think this is what made it a a giant especially a worldwide affair, but definitely even really blew things up in Japan. I mean, I could um, definitely see like a like an individual magical girl, but not a team. I think that that's really where Maybe that yeah, was she broke the thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's credited with redefining the genre completely, as previous magicals girls, okay, did exist, but they didn't use their powers to fight evil. So what the hell were they doing? Just dancing around, enchanting animals? Getting boys. Yeah, oh, well, mm. there's that. Mm. That's a mm. thing. Mm. Getting them boys. Get the boys. <laughs> um, and I guess one of the reasons that I'm so surprised about it is because the concept is now considered standard. It's just the standard yeah. archetype is that you've got magical chicks that fight bad guys. This That's is what to do. me like the the parallel to Dragon Ball Z. Like for like Dragon Ball Z to guys, the power up anime where the, we talked about you you guys weren't here, but it's a power up anime where like each of the characters gets more powerful, more powerful, more powerful until they triumph over the most powerful bad guy. And this is like the girl version of that where they get more power, more power, and and beat the bad guy too. Yeah, right. it's like it's leveling very, up. Very similar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, leveling yeah. up exactly. You level up over. The, like, she does level up, and all of them have to level up. And I think it's like one of the most interesting things about the characters is that they're growing up, and each time they have to face new evil, it requires them to all grow. It requires them to like push past this like barrier. Whereas like I think a lot of action heroes are just like they have their personal moments, they have their like personal character arcs, and that's what they endeavor for. But both Dragon Ball Z and Sailor Moon both require the characters to actually step up further than they thought to fight something more rather than just like go with what their normal powers are, which I think is what differentiates right. it from like Marvel or DC Comics where Batman's not going to like get new skills like he gets new toys, but they're just iterations on the <laughs> same thing. You know, Superman doesn't get new right. powers. And my only issue with that with Sailor Moon is that it it's just the same GD thing every season. <laughs> like, all right, so we've established we all have superpowers now and we're going to fight the bad guy. Oh, we didn't think we were going to do that, but we can. And then season two. Oh, so we've got superpowers now, but we need better superpowers to fight the even worse bad guy. Oh, we didn't think we could do it, but now we can't. Like, it's this. And then oh, five shit. Arcs Tuxedo Mask got kidnapped again. Kidding? Oh, Dude, my God. That guy. Wait, you're brainwashed again? Yeah. There is definitely true, like, this is the cheapness of it, of, like, really, we're doing the same thing again, and none of the scouts are like, okay, guys, seriously. <laughs> right? Really? We did this already. Yeah. Do, do you not remember yeah. two seasons ago when this happened? Yeah. Uh, fun fact that may have something to do with that cycle, uh, it was only, the anime was only supposed to run for six months. Like, this was not expected to be a long-term thing. 
But it was mm. so popular. That yeah, it, it but the fans on. brought it back and oh. created the endless cycle. Mm. Thanks a lot, so, fans. <laughs> Sailor, Sailor Moon fans did what Firefly fans couldn't. I was exactly. going to say, it's like oh Mass Effect 3 fans who were just like, I refuse. I refuse. I will not take this indignation. It was a pretty bad ending in Mass Effect 3. So that's, that's a story for a different day. So back to Sailor yeah. Moon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so another fun fact. For the week of September 11th to September 17th, 2011, the first volume of the re-released Sailor Moon manga was the best-selling manga on the New York Times manga bestsellers list. Wow. For the first volume of Codename Sailor V, second place. Wow. Not crazy that's for an crazy. entire week. And, and that's really surprising, too, when you figure how poorly the anime did in America starting off. Really? It did bad? It did not do well. We'll talk about that. But yeah, hmm. I, it was super popular in Japan. It, it was a slow start there, too, as far as I'm understanding. But um, yeah, it was, it was not well received in terms of the anime. But the manga, apparently, at least for a week, did really, really well. Oh, that was interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, oh, the first print run of the first volume sold out after four weeks. Wow. Well, they only made ten of them. They didn't think anyone was going to buy it. Yeah. So. Look at this piece <laughs> of garbage. Right? So that's a nice transition into the Sailor Moon anime because um, that, of course, is the next step. So you've got this really successful comic book, and you're like, well, what do we do with this now? Well, clearly, we need a broader audience. We milk it for all the cash it's worth. Start making them action figures, boys, because we're going to TV. Which I owned many of as a child. <laughs> the action figures. Yeah, I, I really don't want to know where those ended up. Um, <laughs> so I thought this was really interesting. Comparing the manga and the anime, Sylvia and Duran said the manga artwork is gorgeous, but its storytelling is more compressed and erratic. The anime has more character development, which of course you would have to, have to yeah. because you don't have the, the same kind of stagnant visual to... More time to fill. I mean, you can, I can read a full-length comic book in about five minutes maybe six so and you could go back to it too you know you don't need the constant reminder of stuff Duran said the sense of tragedy was greater in the manga's telling of the fall of the silver millennium they could add more drama to that gave more detail about the origins of uh, the final battle with Beryl and Materia Uh, Duran said the anime omits information that makes the story easy to understand which I definitely agree there were definitely jumps in there where you're like huh but judges the anime mo- co- more coherent with a better balance of comedy and tragedy, whereas the manga is more tragic and focused on Usagi and Mamoru's romance. So can we talk about mm. the characters for a minute? Because Oh, we can skip to that, sure. Well, yeah, I just want to... Because I'm realizing that if you have no idea what Sailor Moon is at this point, like <laughs> you still have no idea other than the manga was super popular. But it, it's all around, I'm guessing, a sailor. <laughs> a sailor? Yeah. <laughs> like Popeye? Yeah. Yeah, it's like Lots Popeye. of spinach eating involved. Uh, oh, man. Yeah, that's how um, it works. It's like night and day, man. <laughs> I know. And, well, and the problem with being like, oh, yeah, no, let's quick go over the characters in Sailor There's Moon is that them. there are 70,000 of them. Let's just go over like the... And they're all important. The... <laughs> because this is like... No, because yeah. it's ridiculous. It's so... If you think American soap opera, I think like Days of Our Lives or, you know, As the World Turns, General Hospitable, Hospital, where you've got... <laughs> <laughs> They're generally hospitable there. I hear that. As well. Hmm. Uh, so they've got, 
you know, they're like the four or five main storylines, and each one has like four or five characters per story. Yeah, I was going to say there are twenty and the kids and the people they hate, and then those connect probably to the other four or five couples yeah. with their people and their kids that they hate. And... Yeah, but like at the core, I think. Alex, you were going to say something, but the, the core of it is that if you have no idea what Sailor Moon is, is that like teenage girl finds out she's the savior of the universe and she has five friend, core friends who help her in this endeavors and she fights evil. And like right. that, if you, and like, she's got a magical cat that helps her. And so if you took, and then like a boyfriend <laughs> who you has had a really cat. inappropriate, like, adult relationship with his 15 year old 14 year old depending on the season so if you took he's 17 that, he's yeah he's 17 man he's good well he's 21 in the japanese version they yeah, like lowered his age in the american version because they were like 21 year olds and 14 year olds not something we do so if you have no idea that's the, that's the setting 14 year old finds out and she's really irresponsible like if you just found the average L.A. 14-year-old and said you are now the savior of the entire universe, she has that reaction that you would imagine. Like, what? Huh? I just want to go play video it. games. It's uh-huh. an all-girls Mighty Morphin Power Rangers cast where yep. Tommy mm. is actually the savior of the universe and not just, like, sort of the leader, but not really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's does an that, excellent analogy, Alex. Is that what you were looking for, Caleb? their name... Yeah, well, yeah, they're named after planets. Right, because yeah. you've got Sailor Moon, clearly, which is your your main character, Serena. Uh, oh, fun fact. Uh, the writer um, actually modeled Serena's family completely after her own. Yeah, and her neighborhood and everything. Yeah. Mom and dad, yeah, the entire model of the neighborhood. Like, if you look at the, the drawings and stuff, it would very similarly represent her fa- her neighborhood growing up. The family names are the same. Uh, her brother is even Shin- Shinjo. 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 Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I thought that thought that was very interesting. It's and if you look back at some of the major events in her life and stuff, like she actually worked at a temple, which Sailor oh, Mars right, right. is. She it grows up in a temple setting, and she's a priestess of fire. And I mean, that's very clearly marked after. Well, as good writers, you, you steal from your own experience. Well, clearly she yeah. did. And and even like the naming uh, are using a lot of the enemies are named after minerals. Yeah. Yep. And she yeah. was a chemist. Right. And yeah. so, so clearly that's her wheelhouse strength. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and I think that's, um, that is one thing about this is that it, it, for the time place, this took science and made it very interestingly like palatable that this actually made me as a kid be like, because all the sailor scouts are from those planets. And so like it, it made me want to go know more about the galaxy and about these like minerals, because she actually did a very good job of like drawing attributes out of that, like Xenocyte, etc. Like the coloring of the characters are all derived from those minerals. So absolutely. And their personalities also. So if you are an anime Japanese manga fan, you'll know that uh, blood type is also really important in that. So when I was a kid, you could go and find on the internet all the Sailor Scouts' blood types, all the characters' blood types, and what that meant, and, like, it was all tied together. It was a very rich... Like, this is the original kind of genre for me that I felt like there is more than just the, like, like anime. I have a rich background to go with. 
to go and explore. That was the first time I realized, oh, there's like character, real character development and like fandom beyond just this anime. They, the blood type thing, is that because they believe that certain blood types are like uh, predisposed to certain behavior? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So oh, okay. that's it's actually in Japan, I believe. And somebody can write in and correct me on this, and you're welcome to. But I think... Please do. You're, yeah, please do. Somebody write in and tell me I'm wrong. But, Podcast at GeekSquatch.com. Uh, I believe that you... Uh, they do, like, in the United States, people will ask uh, for candidates to sometimes do, like, Myers-Briggs or whatever. I believe in right. Japan, they actually ask you your blood type because they believe that that will tell you, tell something about your personality. But there's only like six blood types, right? Yep. No, there's more than that, but O, A, B, Dating B, by a, B. blood type in Japan. That's the first thing that comes up. There wow. you go. But there's also negative, uh, positive. I mean, every, you know. Everything in Japan boils down to dating, though. Yeah. Well, that's the other really? thing I wanted to point out. Like, they, like uh, I saw some of these breakdowns of these characters, and it's straight up like likes and dislikes of food oh, preferences. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's very much like a dating profile. Oh yeah, it's kind of creepy. Yeah, a little bit. So I want to find out what my blood type means. Oh, I'm so distracted right now. Okay, so but I think like the point that Caleb was making, like the show, and that but is perfectly valid by Jamie's perspective. That if you were just watching this because it followed like Dragon Ball Z, you might not get what actually this was all about. And it was just like Sailor Scouts running around. But if you were actually a fan of it, there was a rich backstory to each and every one of these characters that you might only get if you read every single like manga and then searched and trolled the internet for everything in Japanese like I did. So, Well, and the problem, well, it's not even a problem. It's just, you start out with your basic core group. You're right. But that's your first season. That's just the first season. Where you've got Sailor Moon, who's your 14-year-old unlikely hero. It's just little blonde girl who's like, Hi, I don't really study, and I'm barely making it in life, and I love food. And And video games. Right, who's now suddenly, supposedly, Sailor Moon, the leader of the Sailor Scouts, savior of the planet, like, go forth and fight bad guys and risk your life and make everything better in the world. And she meets up with her friends throughout the series who become uh, the rest of the Sailor Scouts, Sailor Mercury, who's your smart one, the, the chemist and brilliant scientist who's going to you know actually be the smarts of the group number one uh in japan she's the favorite of the japanese well does that not surprise you and think about it you've got a chemist writer who became a pharmacist and so that's you're going to be your math your science all of that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff that's basically her putting herself into the script right and then you've got sailor mars who is your priestess the fire lady yeah the shinto tempered shrine maiden Absolutely. And if you think about the mythology for Mars and the and the fiery, you know, brutal uh, stereotypes that go along with that personality trait, that's her. Yeah. I mean, she's fiery and blunt and she's the one that keeps Sailor Moon on her toes um, in terms of like, don't be such a meatball head. Don't be such a baby. Don't be such a crier. Like, get out there and do your job. This is what we're here for. Um, and so then you've got Sailor Jupiter, who's the transplant from America. She's tall. She's crazy. She's, you know, tomboyish. Why are you looking at me like that? She's a really good cook no also. Reason. Just putting yes. that out oh, there. Fantastic. With a bunch of baggage, dude. She's, she's got, got major baggage, baggage yeah. days. 
Um, and so she's kind of your kick-ass tomboy American representative. That it's just just all the American stereotypes from Japan, mm-hmm. like tall and brutish and loud and overbearing. And that's Jupiter, right? You've got the electricity. Why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> My husband has got this look at me like, uh huh, yeah, that's you, uh huh, uh huh. Um, and you're a good cook. Uh huh. Yeah. Now you're just sucking up. No. So, uh, <laughs> Um, and so there's your balls of the group, basically. Mm-hmm. That's it, you know. And then you've got um, Venus. Venus, yeah. Venus, who rounds out your five. And Venus is kind of an entity of herself. We talked about that a little bit because she starts out with her own comic book. Like, she's the protagonist. She's the leader. She's the Sailor Moon without any of the whiny crybaby, I'm a 14-year-old who doesn't want to do this. Like, she immediately steps up to the job when she gets it. And is like, all right, you know what? I'm a showboat, and I'm going to take that on the road, and I'm going to kick ass and get bad guys and take the fame and, like, just take the reins of this whole sailor business and do my thing. She and so when she comes in... I was just going to say, like, it's actually pretty impressive that, like, Usagi, Serena, for the... Um, so Usagi, for those of you who are like, well, why does Patrick keep switching these names? Usagi is the Japanese name for the character. Serena is the Americanized name. But, American. Uh, right. so Serena uh, has to rely upon her other scouts to, like, actually make her do stuff, which is typical princess. Whereas Venus, uh, like, just doesn't... She's like, I don't need no backup you know fighters i got this shit mm-hmm. i'm a strong independent sailor scout Damn don't straight. need no man mm-hmm. i got my cat i'm good because venus of course has a cat as well to lead her because cats are clearly leading the world from so the black the cats with serena or with um luna. Uh, usagi yeah oh, luna. luna and artemis and is with cat. yeah artemis is luna's so <laughs> Now we get in deep canon, okay? So, like, (laughs) Artemis and Luna were, like, they're not, it's not ever declared if they're husband or wife, but they were both guardians for them. Clearly, there's some relationship. They're definitely romantic, like, and they do end up having Dinah as a kitten uh, who comes back with Sailor Uh Chibi. So, like, evidently in the future, if they Mm -hmm. haven't hooked up in the past millennia, they do it in the future millennia. (laughs) Uh, And they're both cats in the first season. Uh, That's all we know them to be. And then in future seasons, we find out that they actually do have human forms that they used to have. But, uh, so, Serena's mother who was queen uh, gave them cat form until they could find the princesses again. So that's, that's that story. See, I feel like we jumped way too far. With I know. Characters. Sorry. Like, I just now, went way. No, 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 <laughs> no. Cause it, it just goes to my point. Cause I'm like, Oh yeah, no, we can jump to characters. No big deal. But the problem is we don't have even a basis here. Okay. We'll come if back. People Go are, back. Yeah. I'm going to jump back in time because that's what Sailor Moon does. Anyway, we get a lot of time play later on. The first season's pretty straightforward, but then, well, ish. And then you get a lot of time traveling nonsense happening. But the first season, your basis is going to be, you've got the 14 year old who becomes Sailor Moon. And then she meets all of her Sailor Scout friends and they are fighting just kind of random bad guys to their perspective at this point. You've got Queen Beryl is your main bad guy, but then she's got a, a host of four men folk who are her generals and fighting for her because that big bad guys don't fight for themselves. I mean, come on. And so she sends out these generals to fight them and they are seeking 
they're seeking rainbow crystals at that point? Or are they all still searching for the silver crystal at that point, Petra? Do you remember? They're searching for the silver crystal at that point. So, okay. And that's it, all. Yeah, that's all. So uh, the first season is really that serialized bad guy of the week where, like, they just find this, like, thing that's doing this thing and they don't really understand why. And typically the see, the show is, like, someone in the periphery of one of these characters has that is like being preyed upon by this being and they have to go fight and rescue it so it actually is an interesting turn of like the heroine concept where instead of guys going and saving a girl these girls are going out and saving either a guy or another girl one of their friends um Absolutely. And then they defeat evil and yay. And then they like, typically every episode has a reveal more about what is actually going on and more about what Serena and who she is and what the Sailor Scouts are. Uh, So that progression throughout the season really starts to take on a double parallel where you have the everyday fighting stuff. And then you have this subtext of who are we? Why are we these Sailor Scouts? What's going on? And so I can definitely back to your original point, Jamie, like, I could understand why in the manga it was very hard for them to translate that to anime because it just started being very hoppy and and what was reality and what was now versus future versus past versus dreams. Um, I think an interesting thing about Sailor Moon is dreams do factor a great deal into this. So, yeah. Well, right, because you've got that whole side thing going on with Tuxedo Mask, who is the male figure in the show. And he originally appears as just kind of this random guy in a tuxedo who shows up during a fight scene and is throwing roses at them. And in fact, the roses do not appear in the manga at all. That is completely created for the anime. Wow. Yeah. Is fun. that just like to have a visual to connect him to? No clue. Or, no That's clue. just okay. the device they used for him. Western audiences uh, only huh. associate love with roses. There. Right? Clearly. And tuxedos, you know, you need like some kind of thing in your pocket or whatever that is, right? Of course, to differentiate him from the creepy stalker we might have thought him to be instead. <laughs> exactly. No, he's just a mysterious masked man. who That's okay. Who helps out in her fights and he just kind of randomly shows up and you slowly learn through the series that he has his own agenda. Um, and of course, everybody has a huge crush on him. But his agenda is also to find the silver crystal. And you don't find out till later that it's for it's well motivated. Um, that he's searching for it because that's the key to his past and to unlocking his memories because he's lost all his memories after an accident as a child. And he's got this whole sad sob story going on. But that just plays more into the the typical like soap opera drama that this whole manga encompasses. And so you've got that side story going on along with the Sailor Scouts fighting evil. And it all kind of culminates in finding out that the silver crystal was like the, the main power source in the moon kingdom eons ago. And so now you, everybody transports back. You find out eons ago is where this all started in the moon kingdom where uh, Sailor Moon was actually Princess Serenity and her mother was the queen of the Moon Kingdom and so Princess Serenity is in love with the boy from Earth, the Earth Prince, who turns out to be Tuxedo Mask, a.k.a. The lamest guy in history. Memory, Mamma Chan and Demion or uh, Darian for those American-only uh, people. Uh, and... So they've got this centuries-old love story going on that's very Romeo and Juliet, 
And Queen Beryl, back again eons ago, she was part of this horrible destruction of the Moon Kingdom. And the two lovers, star-crossed lovers, the Prince of Earth and the Princess of the Moon, die as a consequence of the battle again from Queen Beryl trying to take over the Moon Kingdom and Earth, really. She just wanted to take over the universe. Well, power hungry as... Yeah, and like, no, I was just going to say there is an interesting thing. So for those of you who don't know, they did, and I'm sure Jamie's going to come out later, but the new relaunch in the last year, Mm -hmm. I thought did a very, very good job of explaining why Beryl was so bitter and like a royal bee. She was in love with Damien, and she, when she found out that they like, like Princess Serenity and he were in love, she was like, F this, I'm done, jealousy, root of all evil as we know so it's it's actually i thought pretty tragic this whole arc about it would this have passed the bechtel test no no, no. not no. a million because no, it's all about they're the boys always talking right about boy- well no they have discussions about bad guys but sometimes the bad guys are boys so probably not do they I... ever i think the bechtel test they have to talk about things that are not boys for like a certain amount of time. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, they talk about homework. They talk about schoolwork. Yeah, and yeah. like video games and whether Usagi should do her homework or cook or get sleep. But <laughs> general, well, and like her mother and her past. Mm-hmm. But I... Yeah, when... Yeah. That's a debate. Yeah, I don't know have. if it would. I'd be really interested to see if it did. I'll okay. look that up later. Uh, and so you find out that, you know, there's this whole horrible backstory on the moon where everybody gets destroyed. And so in order to save everybody's life and basically her family's life, the queen uses the silver crystal to, as her, in her, with her last dying breath, saves all of the main players, all of the sailors who were in the centuries old moon kingdom they were the protectors of the princess. And so all of them, the princess and the prince, all get encapsulated and sent to Earth to be reborn as humans. And why they get reborn as 14-year-olds or whatever, it's beyond me. But Do they start out as 14-year-olds? Or well, they, I suppose they're probably they... born as regular pe- okay. as babies. I wasn't sure about that. I guess we follow them as 14-year-olds, and so that's where I pick it up. But it's like, how unfortunate poor Usagi, the princess of the moon. And then she gets born into this weak little crybaby. It's upsetting. 30% on her test is not good. That's not good. 30% is not good. Uh, (laughs) So if you watch the first episode, that makes sense. We did. And it is horrible. Yeah. The dub is a little rough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Alex's favorite episode, clearly. Alex, thank you for joining us with an mm -hmm here and there. Yeah, no problem. I'm here. (laughs) I'm listening intently. It's just you guys are like you guys just have this going on. This is I feel like this is me with the Dragon Ball Z episode. You know, Weebos. just keep on, keep on. Yeah, Weebos over here. <laughs> Got so, us a couple of good old fashioned weebs. So really, well, and in this process of re, you know sending everybody to be reincarnated on Earth, um, Queen Beryl and her forces are also encapsulated in some way. Um, and it's their awakening that creates the problem that has now, now in present time, has now uh, instigated the need for Sailor Moon and her team to come back and fight that and start this cycle over again and prevent, ideally, the destruction of the world this time around. Yeah. So that's your first season, more or less. So I think the, the thing about this is that 
the anime, at least the original anime, does not do a very good job of like explaining the backstory connections between all these characters. Uh, and so it really does seem very superficially hung together on strings. So I think like tying it back to the 90s and why it maybe didn't do so hot in the United States was there really, I mean, and not that we had a high bar for explanation in teen <laughs> shows, right? Like looking at you right. Power Rangers, but like <laughs> it's, it was even more Alex disjointed. Just popped up right now. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, what? We're talking about Power Rangers? Power now? Rangers, what? Yeah, we got, yeah, hold on, wait, 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 wait. So, we I mean. Some Sentai talk going down? Let's, let's. Maybe, Jamie, if we could divert for a second, like, what Absolutely. else was on at this time? Do we know? Like, Oh, good lord. Like, we had Dragon Nothing. Ball Z. We had Power Rangers. We had... What else? Well, I know Babylon 5 was going on at there that you time. Go. Yeah, Jamie was really into that. I know TNT was airing a whole lot of basketball at that time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the mid '90s, so like <laughs> um, there was the Disney after school stuff, mm-hmm. right? The, the 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 block of Disney, like Boy Meets World, etc. Right? Boy Meets World. Is that happening? I at believe the same so. Time? That show lasted like almost ten years. Yeah. So, yes. They were in high school um, a long time. There was this is like a <laughs> this is like the the giant boom in teen or and young. Yeah. programming as far as afternoon um, stuff goes. Let's see: The Fresh Prince of Bel Air, Rugrats, mm-hmm. Saved by the Bell. Ren and Stimpy, Full House. It's their same era. Yeah, Full House started very early. Yeah, too. but it ended when Sailor Moon came out. So, Yeah, so um, just by that list alone, like all of those I would see having much more coherent plot and explanation. And like what you see is what you get. You didn't need to know more. And in an era where the internet was just becoming really popular... There wasn't a whole lot of, like, nowadays, you know, you want to find something out about a character, you can go and read all of the 50 versions of people's interpretations about them, you know, in 30 seconds. Um, but I felt like this show was the most confusing thing, like I said, that, like, what was that? Why did they do... Who? How? There was, like, one word that were like, one sentence, like, in a moment and a look that was cut apart in the, like, Americanized version that you were, like, if you were paying attention enough, you were, like... Something more is there, and I must well, know. I think uh, something to keep in mind, too, is that anime was not as huge. I mean, people people have been watching anime and, and, and reading manga, and, and their, their Japanimation, as a lot of us call it then, mm-hmm. uh, as, early, as early as, like, the mid-80s over here, right? Um, but this helped, along with Dragon Ball Z and really Pokemon in, in like, 98, 99, is what really blew anime up in everyone's uh like in 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 the public eye in the west right yeah and that's important because the weirdness that is sailor moon and the lack of cohesion and uh things being just like just chopped and mutilated when they come over to the west um a lot of people wouldn't have realized at the time i mean I, i know that i didn't realize at the time that like oh shit this is not just something they translated and threw over here you know whole cloth this has been chopped up and mutilated and, and, and then reformatted for western audiences and names have been changed and some people don't exist and episodes two four seven nine and whatever don't aren't even over here you know um that's something that most people wouldn't have access to at the time mm-hmm. again the internet being so new there's not a wiki for every character yet exactly uh so at some point it's like at early anime early early serialized or early like um like commercially available anime on public ass cable channels is almost doomed to fail you know, Dragon yeah. Ball Z didn't do well in the U.S. until the late 90s or early 2000s, when it hit Cartoon Network and everyone could watch it, you right. know? 
Yeah, before that, it was just on local like UPN channels if you were lucky. I remember yeah. watching Sailor Moon. Like I watched about I don't know a handful of episodes. I was honestly only really interested in the transition scenes, Hot uh, which was dope. Were because they... at that point in time, like little Caleb was just discovering what women were, um, <laughs> and they might have been naked behind that sparkly <gasps> stuff. But they removed they removed the little the little the little boob lines. Well, hey, hey all I had to go with at that time was the JC Penny catalog. So this, oh, this, this that was leagues sad, above that. I found I found my dad's stack of hustlers when I was like four, and let me tell you, it was all over after that. I have to be honest I, too. Yeah. I will I will sympathize with Caleb about this being like not quite sure what I felt at the time. Now knowing that that word was bisexual, like I really thought these women were like hot, but I was like, is this like the way you're supposed to feel about these characters? Should I be doing this? Yeah, or? like I was like, oh, I really like these girls. Like they're really pretty, and like it wasn't just like a, I want to be like them. I was like, oh, she's really hot, you know. So I'll sympathize with you about that, Caleb. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's getting tingly and silly places. <laughs> uh, Pretty much. Uh, I think this is a good place to make the transition into America. Okay. Uh, the land of pussies. In 1995, yeah. after a bidding war with Toon Makers, who wanted to produce an American live-action animated hybrid adaption, which Caleb saw a little bit about that. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Oh, that I saw a little bit about that in my so research. so frightening. Do you want to talk about that for a wow. second? Or? Yeah, so like, there was this attempt to kind of hybridize the anime portions. They were going to reanimate the entire series and then have a live action portion of the show where they, when they turned into the sailors, they would animate that. And then right. it would stay animated until they came out of the sailor costumes. Um, it seemed to be animated in the similar style to actually like She-Ra. Yeah, I was gonna say I, that was about to say like He Man and like that really yeah. shitty yes. low budget. Let's just crank out as much of this as we can to sell toys kind of hate. style of animation of the late eighties, early nineties. Hate now, don't hate on my my Shira. I was gonna say okay. no, I love me some Shira, but Shira is what it is. Like yeah. there was no bar already set. For I love. She-Ra. I love. There's a still image of of Sailor Moon holding um, Venus's cat Artemis for some reason. I don't know why that is, but anyway. And I look at that, I was like, that's really good draw- drawing itself. Yeah. I don't know what the show would have looked like as an animation, because as we're talking about the quality of, of He-Man and whatnot, and She-Ra has not aged well. Um, we were children, so don't blame us for loving something that was horrible. I but love it. Um, We didn't have anything better to like, see. It was deemed as too uh, expensive to do the show live action and reanimate everything, so... The company was like, we can just redub this thing and cut it in with horrible transitions and save ourselves a ton of money. And well, yeah, that's money. the thing is, is you can, you can outsource. So, so you do your, your voice, your VO in Canada or Texas, right? And then you pay fucking Korean animators, uh, pennies on the dime to animate cell after cell after cell of this shit. And at some point production cost goes down like exponentially, mm-hmm. uh, for animated content, especially in the early nineties. Yeah, but the fact that they want to do half live action, half animated, like, oh, it would have so failed. frightening. Yeah, oh yeah, and you that can find the video online if it's you on look YouTube, it up. It's apparently. out there. It, yeah, oh, they played that it was at shown, some con or other. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. gonna say that was shown at some anime anime convention in like '96. Oh, I think it was it's, the twentieth and the twentieth anniversary. Did they play it again? They at did. That? They played it oh, again. Horrific. Well, thankfully, none of that ended up coming to fruit. Uh, Dick Entertainment it licensed the first two seasons. <laughs> uh, I know it's Deke. 
Uh, the first two seasons of Sailor Moon for an English language release in the United States and Canada, uh, which I feel like, you know what, if you're going to take something and Americanize it, the best thing you could possibly do is just change the language, which is not good, but yeah. it's a hell of a lot better than let's take this concept and bastardize something beautiful and make it into something absolutely horrific. Well, the only problem with that is... When we eventually talk about the fan-made film. Oh, okay, but you can't help the fans. The That's fans are the not fans. Talk about that. one thing. You can't make something... I'm just going to say this. Anyone out there who's like, I love X anime or X cartoon show, making a shot-for-shot shot remake of that thing with people is not going to work. It wasn't shot for... Well, later on. The, the, the no. second half, they tried to do more shot-for-shot. Shot, we we can talk about it at length later. Okay, we'll get, we'll get like there. It, but right. I just want to say that. Do not make a shot-for-shot shot live action of anything. It doesn't work. Ever. Just stop so yourself two... before you hurt yourself. <laughs> just yeah. Stop exactly. now. <laughs> the first two seasons were licensed to be English dubbed um, by Deke, and that would happen in the United States and Canada. And Optimum Productions was hired to dub the anime. Bob Summers wrote a new background score, which was unnecessary, but fine. Uh, Deke had mandated edits, however. And this is where we get into the America's Pussies issues. Uh, because they felt like they needed to edit content and length to comply with North American broadcast standards and practices. And that reduced the first 89 episodes to 82. And from every source I can find, those seven mysteriously missing episodes, nobody can figure out why they were cut. Like, there was no specific reason why they picked those seven episodes. Maybe those passed the Bechdel test. Maybe. We certainly don't want those <laughs> feminists jumping on board. Uh, and their adaptation was created to capitalize on the success of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, speaking to Alex's point. Yeah, they were just looking to be like, hey, how do we make some more money? Oh, this thing, this thing from Japan did really well. Let's bring this other thing over. Uh, and, but the problem is, is the series did so poorly in syndication, partially due to its time slot issues. Uh, it was offered early mornings and early afternoons, which as a kid, you're in school or getting home from school. Right. Like, you're barely able to watch stuff. I know I used to set up the VCR to record it, and that was lucky because I had the opportunity to do that. Because you were rich and white. Yeah. Check that privilege out the door. What? Mm. Mm. Yeah, people like me who grew up dirt-ass poor had to just run from the bus stop to get home. (laughs) I ran. I got home usually... I, I ran home and got I got to the television <laughs> just as the intro was going down. I walked leisurely home. I ran. Mm. Knowing, knowing, that, knowing that your programming was Some safe cookies, on magnetic down, tape. Rewound my VCR tape. And then realized that there was basketball on it. Because the, the stupid... Because the basketball men were playing their basketball <laughs> game. <laughs> Use your terminology. The worst. I hated when programming preempted my program. My yeah, do you was guys, more important. You guys all remember a time where, like, you're sitting down to watch Doug or whatever it might be, right? And well, I guess Doug's probably a bad example because that was on Nickelodeon, but like something, a, a cartoon or so that would have been on like ABC or NBC or whatever, and suddenly it's the news and it's not just the news popping in because that's not, that's not a thing that happens where it's like, we just move the news to four o'clock. It's more like a newsman at some talking head shows up and he's like, 400 children died today yeah. in the Oklahoma. And you're like, God damn it, man. I like, just why? wanted I to watch Sailor Moon. A black man is being chased by white men as cops when he's trying to get home. No, that's only news. Have... That wasn't news oh. then. I was going to well, say, are we talking about it the... O.J. Simpson was not trying yeah, to get Simpson home. Simpson was <laughs> not running home for Sailor Moon. He did go home, though. He did go home. Yeah, well. 
So time slots aside, um, they they had problems. It just wasn't super popular, and maybe partially due um, to the fact that it was really confusing for American audiences, and a lot of stuff had been cut out, had been edited, and you know bastardized with the dubbing. Uh, for There's a lot of things like they just, they just randomly do things. Well, and you have no idea why. Yeah, but that's part of that is Japanese culture too. Like, there's some cultural stuff in there yeah. that's like, oh, what? Um, but anyway, so after the run had completed, uh, Deke dropped the show and made no effort to bring the series back. Even at the end of the, uh, even though the end of the second season was still kind of only partially finished because things mm-hmm. finished up into the third season, it, so it, it pissed people off. And in a response, a fan petition that garnered over 12,500 signatures was created. And in 1997, reruns of the canceled dub began airing on USA Network. Thank you, USA. Really? I didn't know that. And honestly, I think that's where I started watching it. Hmm. What year did you say that was? uh, That was in 97. And that makes sense timeline-wise for me. Because that was, that was the that's end more of, like Babylon Five. Than, yeah, that was the end of junior 95. high for me, and yeah. so that would have been when I picked it up. Was when USA started rebroadcasting it, and so that same year, production of the series English dub was resumed with the last seventeen episodes of the second season, uh, being Sailor Moon R, broadcast, but only in Canada. Ah. From September 20th to November things. 21st. I know. Well, and Canada didn't have the same kind of editing problems that we'll talk about in just a minute, um, and. So they, in Canada at least, they were able to wrap up all the lingering plot lines fairly right away uh, for the second season, which was Sailor Moon R. And that that got resolved in, looks like 2000 it took until things finally got resolved in America when it was bought out by Cloverway, which is Toei's United States branch. They bought the rights to and dubbed Sailor Moon S and Sailor Moon Super S, which is the second two... They completed the second two seasons, which are... So they finished R. They had already finished it for Canada. But now they... They brought it to America. Yeah, now the popularity in Canada has spurred them to finish S and Super S, which are your third and fourth seasons. And they push that onto Cartoon Network. Oh, okay. Who finishes up everything and brings it finally to America three years later. Wow. So I hope you had really held out Sailor Moon fans because most of us finished halfway through or within, what, three or four episodes of the end of R, which was the second season. And we're like, well, crap. I guess we're never going to finish that series. (laughs) I remember and that was it. Yeah, somebody like at the time I had to ask my like friend's older brother to find it on the internet somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so we could watch it. Because I was Absolutely. like I need to know what else happens. Right. Because it ends at a very like like mid-season ender mm-hmm. kind of thing and you're like, "Oh, there but and uh, oh, I guess I'll never know." Yeah. And then, like, it was downhill from there, because you could never get it serialized. Like, you only could get, like, three Uh, episodes, and then, like, miss three episodes, and then find five more. And, yeah, it was, yeah, it was a nightmare. Right, and when you figure you're, what, 12 or 14 at that time, three years, like, your whole life has changed in three years. By the time this finally comes back to America... My voice had changed. Right? (laughs) But I had facial hair by that point. So... (laughs) 
<laughs> no. I mean, the point being that I mean, you've lost your mainstay audience at that point. Yeah. You better hope to God that Cartoon Network can pull some audience from those... Uh, from the old episodes and keep it going for the next two seasons. So they didn't start over. They just they just started. Well, off they at the beginning? Or no, 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 no. The Cartoon point? Network picked up the whole thing. Oh, okay. And started playing it from the beginning, and they had the benefit of having the Those rest of the second episodes. season and gotcha. the next two. Um, and it's kind of in terms of the the fan base, it's split into two camps because you've got the original people who are like, all right, we are into this and we love it, but we kind of fell off when it fell off. And then three years was too long to wait. And then you've got the people who picked it up on Cartoon Network and are like in hundred percent. And they got the benefit of the better dubbing because when they redubbed it, when they came in with the second two seasons, they didn't have the editing issues that they had the first two years when Deke had it. So... The the dubbing is better in the second two seasons. You're a nerd. Yeah. And We're so nerdy. Oh my god, and I love it. I'm not gonna lie, I'm uh, sitting here looking at like Chibi's uh, Black Lady Mistress Nine photos or pictures. So I mean, yeah, it's a problem. She's awesome. That's a whole special. That is a special episode too. unto itself. Whew. I'm well, pretty sure at this episodes. point, Jamie and I could have an entire Sailor Moon podcast for like 10, <laughs> seri- 10 series and then end it and then we would be like, done. <laughs> oh my God. So Caleb and I are talking about this. I'm doing show notes and I'm like, I have not had enough time to do this. There is too much to cover. Like, there's no way I could write notes for this because it's so complicated. And we haven't even, yeah. I mean, we barely talked about the first season synopsis. And yeah, it, oh, it goes on and on and on. So back to the like, so that the, obviously there's a huge amount of content with this as any anime. Like I feel like in similar other nerd genres, just for Alex and Kayla's benefit. Like if you were to talk to anyone who is a hardcore like Final Fantasy eight fan, right? Like that has its own, mm. you know, or like six series. Alex, so. Alex, interest is peaked. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Like I think this is would like. If we're, if we're wanting to bring, like, is this one of those things that just the more you dive into it, the more you know about it, the more you're a fan of it. And, but, like, if the average person watched this and just was like, yeah, Sailor Moon, that's cool. Like, do you guys, how do you guys feel about, like, is that, like, do you have your own view of, like, this is just us in our own little happy land, but you could equally go to some depth on something else? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I think that, that applies to anything, but I, I would... I would honestly say that if you tried to take, especially the original Sailor Moon run, um, dubbed into English or whatever else, and you and if you tried to show that even probably to kids today, I don't think it would land at all. Um, I, I don't think I don't think it would land at all. You may be able to sensationalize, like if it were actually on television and there were there was commercial programming and and advertisements and stuff, you may be able to get some. I mean, I guess girls or, or whatever. I mean, like, there would be some people who may be into it. Um, but I don't think that OG Sailor Moon would get anyone interested. I do think, however, that Crystal, which we'll talk about later, is probably the best jumping off point for someone who has never seen anything Sailor Moon, never been involved with Sailor Moon. Pick up the manga or probably go to Crystal. Because otherwise, I find, even going back as someone who was, like, marginally interested in this and who had sisters who watched a lot of Sailor Moon... Um, this shit's horrible. Like, it's just, it's it's so bad. <laughs> the rewatch is painful. Especially that first few episodes. It's just like, uh, It was pretty bad. Yeah. 
Well, and I hadn't realized how bad it was, I don't think, until I started watching Crystal. And I was just mm-hmm. like, oh my god, the savior of Sailor Moon has arrived. <laughs> yeah, it pretty much. Uh, yeah. Like, all the things that we had to go and read and put connect like connect dots together. Uh, and I was like, oh, it's just in the episode now. It's just There you here. go. That's it. Yeah. And this is coming from a guy, by the way, who, like, is <laughs> the biggest Power Rangers fan that I know personally. Um, specifically Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, and if you want to talk about a show that was chop-screwed and bastardized when it came from the East, like, holy shit. Um, Also a show that is really campy and unwatchable in 2016. I mean, I feel your pain there, and and that's why, to kind of bring it back to the question, I I, I can absolutely understand how people would still have a fondness for this or would still be able to look back and and rewatch it and be like, I remember enjoying this shit, because that's what I do with Power Rangers. Um, But goddamn, like, you can't... I can't show anyone... Mighty Morphin Power Rangers who's never seen it before in 2016 and expect anything but like what what are you doing with your time? You know? <laughs> like why is this being made into a full feature film again? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, there's there's a lot of broken, broken things in Sailor Moon. And part of that's the dubbing. Yeah. I feel like that's mm-hmm. a huge issue. Uh, because Deke was like, oh no, this is really racy. Like, we're gonna have to, we brought this up earlier. So there's a transition scene in every superhero film or movie, or, you know, creation where Sailor Moon spins around and there's magical lights and ribbons ribbons and all kinds of amazing girly things um, happen. And then she transitions from uh, Usagi or Serena, her human form, into the amazing super powerful Sailor Moon. During this transformation, her clothes change. So and they pump, they come off. Point they yeah. have to come off. Yeah. Which means that you never see the actual naked body. Babage. Which you would not be no... surprising. I hope every anime. time, but no. Ain't no oh, damn breasts. <laughs> uh, it's just the outline figure of a female and it's sparkly. Now, yeah, it's a it's a silhouette instead of being black. It's filled with like galactic sparkles and shit. I thought that women were sparkly underneath their clothes. Well, we are. Like in a way, in a way, you're not wrong. So many ways we are. Uh, <laughs> so in the original Japanese animation, there are full breast lines drawn. Drawn, so you can see the full curvature. But no Ariel. Of the we must point. No, out. of course not. Of that course was not. vulgar, Caleb. God. Yeah, God forbid. <laughs> I don't want to Nipples see make things vulgar. Don't you understand how America works? Yeah. Um, so this apparently was much too racy for American audiences. So what mm. they did is they took that line out and they left. There's there's a bump there that you can visibly see the as side they're transitioning. We'll si- okay, boob. we'll okay. go with side boob. Uh, mm-hmm. But there's no black line that actually defines the breasts. Sisses. Sisses. Epic I, which boobage. is ridiculous, right? Exactly. They were tiny. Which I gotta tell you, no, but that's the thing. For fourteen year olds, they it didn't had, matter. They were well. Jupiter endowed. was very, very well endowed oh. because Jupiter well, sh- was American, so they could get away with exactly. making her well endowed. Jupiter, yeah, again was was my favorite. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> Whereas, like this the rest, is of the all girls, coming together now. Yeah, we're like uh, an A cup, maybe a a you know B B small B. Yeah, yeah, but they got bigger when they became sailors. Although there's giant bows, it's hard to tell. That's true. There's a lot of decoration yeah. happening there. There's a lot of pushing up of, uh, going on as well. Right. Uh, also, in the original series, Amara and Michelle, Sa- Sailor Uranus and Neptune, respectively, were lesbian lovers. 
But that was much too scandalous for American audiences, especially back in the nineties. Mm. Goodness, we couldn't handle that. In uh, the nineties, we were still talking. We were still asking people, like on a regular basis, how they felt about interracial marriage. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Do you right? remember that? That was a big deal. Like my mother, my mother was literally disowned because uh, I have a biracial younger sister. Yeah, like the nineties. The nineties were fucking wild here in America, guys. People don't understand how far we've come, dude, and how far we still have to go. Yeah, that's the real problem. It's how far we have to go. That's the problem. Yeah, it is kind of interesting realizing, like, at the time with that show, if you were watching it, you knew, like, there was there was definitely like American like American editing couldn't cut out certain things about those two characters. So if you had any exposure to lesbian relationships, you were like, they're probably together. Uh-huh. But if you And you didn't, know what's funny? You didn't know. Yeah, go ahead. Right, well, and as a 14-year-old watching this, it never even occurred to me that they were anything other than what I was told, which were cousins. It would mm. Because lesbianism did not exist in my brain space when I was 14. I was a spoiled little white girl. I understand mm. this. But, like, that didn't... <laughs> That like that really? that world didn't even exist to me at that time, so there was no question that they sweet, were any- innocent little girl. Oh well, my there god! There was no question that they were anything other than what I was told they were. Right. Oh, like you didn't question. Yeah. See, my mother, my mother, who would watch cartoons with us, you know, when we were younger, because back in uh, see kids back in the nineties, parents actually gave a fuck about what their children watched. <laughs> um, oh, the rule and at so my house my mother- was: if you don't know what it is, don't watch it. Yeah, my mother. Um, while she did, she never censored anything from us, as you know. I've probably mentioned before on the show. Uh, she was the person to point out to me. She was like, those two are lesbians. Oh, shut 100%. up. That's 100%. amazing. Oh, I, I figured she, it out. She was much more vulgar about it because that was her personality. Like, go figure. That's where I get it from. Um, but yeah, she was the one who was like, absolutely. That That is, they are not cousins. I'm telling you that right now. That is not how that works. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, do not do that with your cousin right now. Kissing cousins. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You know? Like for me, like watching it, that was a hundred percent obvious. And it was very relieving to find two characters in a female ensemble cast at that age that, like, were okay being 100% themselves in a lesbian relationship. Like, that was fine. And I thought it was really cool that it was like, oh, that's how that would look as a model. You know? Not yeah, well, this and- butch, like, you know? And, like, Uranus is very, like, m- more masculine of a character. But she's still very female in a lot of other aspects. Um, and I thought Absolutely. it was great personally yeah well, and sailor moon also sailor moon has relationships on kind of like very nearly every edge of that spectrum mm-hmm. you know what i mean like Absolutely. it's a it's a it's a very diverse uh situation there um again more so in the east than than the west definitely but that is a really cool thing like looking back on it today going through some factoids and stuff like that i was like first of all i do want to i was a little harsh on sailor moon earlier i want to <laughs> say this that show is Everything that I imagine if I had a daughter right now, like I could see, I could see little girls while I was watching this earlier. I could see little girls losing their damn mind over this stuff mm-hmm. because it is the most charming. Like I told Heather earlier, Sailor Moon is like watching um, a distilled, like very base version of every Disney princess movie in the 90s sort of rolled into one thing and they're made superheroes. Right. It was like everyone's beautiful and there's ribbons and there's sparkles and there's cats and everything's pink and they had, they're all quirky and weird. <laughs> and I was like, this is like the most – it's like weirdly charming in a way. Absolutely. It makes me think of um, another cartoon, Powerpuff Girls, for some reason. Like Ugh. I feel like this show kind of paved the way for that show. I don't know if that show would exist. You think? Like, well, uh, I don't know no? because I feel like Powerpuff Girls – 
were more of like not just like look and stylized, but they came more out of the Ren and Stimpy mm-hmm. attitude of camp and mm-hmm. simplification of entertainment. Where yeah, and, that's true, and like, but that also I will I will give like Caleb's point that like having an, an all girl cast of characters who are the protagonists was rare for like a 90s show if you were going beyond like clueless the serialized show like a lot of the shows that we watched when we were kids all had male protagonists predominantly and then they had female counterparts who were more support characters i mean like archie i can't can't think of one other than sailor moon that had strong females who had male counterparts but they were like support characters like tuxedo mass were um i mean you got gem you got she-ra you've got yeah she-ra came from he-man so that's yeah. okay so that you just named that's three. a derivative work of he-man yeah because you name right. like you could probably name off the top of your head 10 more who are like male protagonists that were predominant oh absolutely oh no the i'm not saying that the men absolutely yeah. weren't overtaking the genre and you're right powerpuff girls it's the same general idea where you've got the female protagonist and female power and superheroes but you're right petra the the intent of the show is different yeah and the devices used are different because Sailor Moon is widely acclaimed because it doesn't focus as the superhero stuff is subplot in a lot of ways to the the friendship building and the importance of teamwork and social interactions versus the, the let's go out and fight crime and save the world. Mm-hmm. Like it's not about the ego, it's about the internal um progression and growth across mm-hmm. the board and for yeah. all of them. And it, and that's part of the reason that it stands alone a, away from those kinds of other shows where the chick is just there as a showpiece to save the world. Mm-hmm. Mm. So I will say like um, Sailor Moon as a predecessor probably made Powerpuff Girls more palatable, but Powerpuff Girls probably absolutely. came from a very different place of like Ren and Stimpy esque humor. Yeah, Absolutely. I want to do, by the way, an entire show about Tartoski's work on Cartoon Network, just between Dexter's Lab and Powerpuff Girls and all that stuff. Oh, I mean, my Dexter. God, that is – Tartoski might be one of my favorite animators of all time. Yeah. Oh, yeah, also Definitely Rocco's stylized. Modern Life. Sam- Very stylized. Right? Oh, Samurai Jack. Like, come on, yeah. oh, man. Mm. So I'll just skip that show because I don't – none of that appealed to <laughs> anything for me. Probably because I was stuck back in the Sailor Moon like, oh, like pretty ribbons and sparkles and girls that like each other. Um, back to girls that like each other. Uh, <laughs> the, the funny yeah. thing was we were talking about how, um, uh, so Uranus and Neptune are notoriously gay, but then transferred into being cousins. And so that actually ended up causing more problems than it solved because it was very obvious as Petra pointed out that they were lovers from the way they acted, including long love scenes that showed them touching hands and looking lovely, lovingly into each other's eyes, animated the romantic blurry watercolor like images and music. The roses, the rose petals were a fucking clue. (laughs) Way to edit out the boobs, but leave in the watercolor romance between the cousins. Well done there. Also, you had gay bad guys, Zoisite and Malachite, both male homosexual lovers in the Japanese version. They were, however, translated um, in the American version. They made Zoisite into a woman so that it was okay. Uh, But it wasn't a stretch to figure out that that was not an intentional woman there. We all know it's underneath that. 
dress pop pop yeah <laughs> pop fact for that tunic right <laughs> um for those of you who are not watching the current crystal which i am sure we'll get to um backstory though which is interesting that again one of those things you would not have gotten unless you read about it uh in the anime was that or the manga is that all of like xenocide and all of those guys were the guardians for tuxedo masks earth equivalent to like prince and demion so all those guys were his guardians in counterpart to the sailor guardians and each of them had a relationship with the sailor guardians so when they're fighting with the sailor scouts it's actually very intensely if you knew that backstory that they're fighting their former lovers which may or may not be female or male it's an interesting like that didn't make it in the switch from the east as alex would say and i think it makes it even (laughs) more tragic of a story um other than just I, I defeated you, but like you were good at one point, and I loved you, and now you've turned like perverted evil, and now I have to kill you. Well, that is covered. Jupiter does have yes. a teeny tiny little thing with Jedi, and so they cover a little bit of that. Uh, but yeah, you're right; it's not nearly as prominent as they probably could or should be. And you know, they, they can't cover everything. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I just proved that I'm way way too much knowledge about this topic there's never enough knowledge about (laughs) sailor moon never uh yeah but there were a lot of those kind of edits i mean deke took out things as little as they removed an entire episode because uh sailor moon's brother kicked a cat luna um because there's a whole episode about how he doesn't like cats and so serena brings him home brings luna home as a pet and he doesn't like it but the point being that the the episode was deleted because, you know, he kicked a cat and that was just too much for American audiences mm-hmm. and it, lesbian lovers and um, homosexual bad guys. And, I mean, just things that and now is that boobs. all in Crystal? Uh, a lot of that stuff. Yeah, is still in Crystal. And so let's talk a minute about Crystal because I know we got to wrap this thing up. Um, but Crystal is literally the embodiment of everything that I remembered Sailor Moon being before rewatching it. Like as a 14 year old, I watched the original Sailor Moon. I'm like, this is right up my alley. This is totally my speed. Cause I was 14. And so a whiny little cry baby with, you know, gaps in the story. It was fine. Cause there were gaps in my brain at that point. And they still are. So I mean, but it was fine because you, you understand it on a simpler level. So a simpler writing and a simpler animation are fine. But now I look back at this in the 30s and I'm like, oh my God, I love Sailor Moon and it's amazing. Uh, But I have done a lot of research since then and I've done a lot of hole filling such then with the internet and with picking up the extra movies and the extra content that's available on the internet and the Japanese stuff that is now available that wasn't when I was 14. And so I filled in storylines and created this thing in my head that is so rich and so beautiful. An, an amalgam of, of what you remember. Exactly. And all this knowledge. And so then I go back and watch the original episodes and I'm like, oh, this is painful. They are taking an entire season to do what they could do in five episodes. And Crystal does a beautiful job, I think, of incorporating a lot of that, the the Japanese archetype, what was originally set in the manga and originally set, I think, probably in the Japanese anime before it was bastardized and dubbed for English, um, and speeds up the timeline considerably, but still packs in a lot of information and a lot more storyline 
than was originally included in the series and creates a much more adult focused and yet still very true to the not childlike but fantastical sense of what Sailor Moon is. I think I feel like it's probably a more true representation of what the original Japanese storyline wanted hmm. but in a much easier to palette condensed storyline. Would you agree, Patra? Absolutely. And like they they do a far better coherent. It's like they went back and they were like, okay, we realize we fucked this up. Let's 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 do this right. <laughs> and then like but exactly. at the same time they haven't deviated like the animation style. I felt like considering we're talking 1992 for the original Japanese now into 1995 and like like to 1995 for the US edition to now 2014 I think was when it was first previewed yep. and like now they're on Hulu so you can view them now um they still have utilized the same art style so that's but I feel like it's more manga-esque like it is. I feel like it's a little flowier and yeah. a little more curly cue and romantic yeah so they but the core of what it looked like they could have made it far more you know up to date with 2016 oh. standards but they kept that originality with actually being like but let's like improve the like quality underneath it it doesn't look so pale and washed out uh right and and they do do a far better job it like i think you can tell the team who worked on it were like hardcore diehard fans and they were like let's make sure that the the other hardcore diehard fan diehard wow diehard <laughs> fans out there were will appreciate every bit of this but you, because you don't like Caleb and Alice, you could pick this up, Crystal, and you would find it to be far more like, oh, I actually understand this, and it's interesting, whereas, like... Absolutely. And, and yeah, Jamie and sure. I would be like, oh, my God, and I know so much more, but they actually put that in there, and that's cool. So I think it does a really good job of updating it, and, like, after a decade, to bring it to modern audiences. And I think, like... So don't bother with that, with the original. Don't. No, just skip that. <laughs> Didn't happen. Just go to Crystal, if you've never watched Taylor Swift. Gotcha. Yeah, and you can – so you mentioned you can find it on Hulu earlier. You can also – if you have a Crunchyroll subscription, um, you can watch all of Crystal that is available right now, So, I, which I think as of recording is like 39 episodes I said earlier. Oh, so far like behind. That, so. Yeah, it's <laughs> – I haven't been – I watched the first like seven episodes, and it was enough for me to be like – I'm going to need to binge this later. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I'm just like, I'm just going to need to sit down for a cold, long weekend. <laughs> like, and just like suck it all in. Uh, so yeah, I definitely, of all the things, like, and obviously like, I, like you guys covering eighties, nineties, awesomeness. I think this is one of those things that has like uh, the last episode you guys were talking about Hocus Pocus, which has not really survived <laughs> the decade uh, or two. Ooh. This one I feel in the new Crystal did did and particularly now you have a teenage audience and and you know anywhere up from ten really audience that uh, I think has a greater leap into Japanese anime like more accepting of it and it's more normal for certain audiences and so it would make a better leap to that age group now I feel like absolutely yeah it's a much more mature take on it um, and it doesn't. I almost feel like rewatching some of the earlier episodes, it, it talks so far down to the audience. Oh, yeah. Like, it just assumes so little of the audience, whereas Crystal allows for a little more, like, okay, we we think you guys are up to speed. Let's let's move this along. Yeah. And it, it definitely 
doesn't shy away from the darkness, but doesn't treat it like melodramatically. I feel like it, it right. it's, it's been, you know, there are the, the sailor moon, I think at the, at the bottom of the line is a very tragic story. And so that, that comes across better in crystal to me. So. Absolutely. Uh, so I think we kind of covered what we think of this now. Caleb, do you want to throw an opinion in there? No, I mean, I, I have no opinion because I, like I said, I watched a handful and, and, and I am really, kind really of intrigued to watch Crystal now, although it's still, I'm still not the target audience for this. Yeah, um, I can just kind of know, knowing you the way I do, I don't, I mean, you may want to sit down and watch an episode, watch the first one, episode. I'll watch one. Don't yeah, watch, watch the, the first, first watch never first. watch the first episode. Yeah. But I gotta get Nobody it should ever watch the first episode. It's pretty bad. 14 year old gets superpowers. Move on from there. You don't need it. There's that dope zombie esque scene, the mind, con- the sort of mind control life essence scene. Oh, don't the, worry, yeah. that happens a few times later on. It, it happens. happens. All right, well, <laughs> kind of happens all There's the time. There's only so many things evil people can do. Um, and I feel like such a horrible tease because we never really did talk about that horrible, horrible movie. So somebody give the link or it's, whatever. Go to soup. Go to Sailor Moon the movie. Just type that in. It's like halfway down the page. It was, uh, the project started in 2009. It was crowdfunded at some point. Unfortunately. Came out, yeah. Um, in 2015, I believe, December 2015 or January. Not sure which. Doesn't really matter. If you want to laugh your balls off, watch wait, this Wait, 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 wait. Let me first say, this is not for Sailor Moon novices. No. This is for somebody fully inundated with Sailor mm. Moon and wants to, like... Just hurt really themselves. revel in the horrificness that is other fans. Yeah. If this, if this, I, if this series of of shots that were compiled together that someone <laughs> dared to call a movie were not featured on YouTube.com, I would imagine that it was a Sailor Moon porn parody where uh, nobody ends up oh, fucking. Oh, that's true. Can yep. I just say the wigs? The wigs are the bad. Wigs. Um, the other thing I want to mention is that the cats, like I called it about. Two minutes in, I was like, I swear to God, if the cats are straight up, like, dubbed over with somebody, like, giving them food so that they talk, like, their mouths move, I am in for the long haul on this. And it happens. <laughs> and it is glorious. Spoiler alert! Um, what? We had to skip around because oh, we could not handle it, it at certain points. Uh, and then we watched the end because I swear to God, I was like, this guy has to have put himself, the guy who started this whole thing has to have put himself in the film. I was wrong. I was shocked beyond belief. Although he did put his mom in there, which that was, I guess, second yeah. to not putting himself in the film. But whatever. Check it out. Just, I, I know he made it as a fan love thing. I Any man who has a kind of a session, obsession with this show, I don't know. Something wrong. No, there's, oh. there's nothing wrong with that. Alex, final thoughts? I, yep. <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, well, I just, I, I, I mean, I, 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 I kind of, I kind of expressed a lot of this earlier, but just, um, Crystal's definitely, if you, if you have not seen Sailor Moon since, you know, the mid to late nineties, um, feel free to go back at whichever point, um, you wish you could jump back into the original show and realize what you saw before. Um, you could go into Crystal, which is infinitely more accessible these days. Um, though it is not, there is there no dubbed, I know Crunchyroll has entirely subtitles. Is there no dubbed version of this available? Of what? It's a crystal. Of oh, crystal. as far as I know, no, there's no dubbed. Okay. Uh, oh, so wait, there are sorry, people... no, there are dubbed versions. Sorry, there the is. The Hulu one is dubbed? There is, um, because it specifically says that you can choose, but you can't choose. So it's all dubbed, yes. Oh, okay. 
I'm more interested okay. in subtitles in general, so I'm very excited about. Country. Yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a subtitle guy, so that's fine. Um, but in any case, yeah, it's just um, this is a very time and place sort of thing. I think that Crystal, um, as far as Western audience goes, is, is this is not going to be like some cultural phenomenon. Sailor Moon is not going to take off and 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 blow the fuck up uh, here in America. No, not even in the way that it did in the '90s, which is to say, not not very much. Um, but if you're a fan of the show, um, and you haven't watched Crystal yet, I would say check it out because it is definitely everything you thought you liked about Sailor Moon, um, back in the day and it's happening again, but with digital painting instead of hand-drawn cells that age like significantly better and it's in widescreen. <laughs> so there's that. That's true. Petra, any final thoughts? No, uh, I think you guys have all summarized it pretty well, but I would say that, uh, if you, if you are a guy... And you are looking for some awesome retro date material. This is hey. not half bad for grabbing some Japanese food and saying, yo, girl, let's Netflix and chill. But then you show her Sailor Moon and she's like, oh, this is awesome. Because you actually might learn some yeah. stuff about her as, a, as like, you know, a teen. So, uh, yeah, hey. there you go. There's your, your date idea from Petra. <laughs> your your date thoughts for the night. First one's for you guys. <laughs> So that's going to bring us out to our final segment of the evening, which is Gosling. We're going to do that after the break, yes? Yes. Uh, And, oh, here we go. Here's my script. I didn't even read it. All right, guys, we're going to go empty our bladders, refill our beverages, enjoy this week's segment of Six Degrees of Ryan Gosling, a Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon type game. But we've chosen Ryan Gosling because (laughs) Ryan Gosling. Hello. Yeah. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. It's time for Six Degrees of Ryan Gosling. Jamie loves this segment. I actually really do because he's super hot. So any chance I have to talk about him. Um, I'm really hoping that it's going to end up on Twitter at some point and Ryan Gosling's going to be like, oh my God, these people really like me, especially that Jamie girl. I should tweet her. And then he'll tweet me and it will be amazing. (laughs) This is my dream. I'm not saying it's a bad dream. Don't crush my dreams. I'm not. All right, so in the Ryan Gosling game, you're going to start out with something related to Sailor Moon, right? Not and so get much. us six degrees to Ryan Gosling? I kind of went off the reservation on this one because it was really oh, hard to... Bail. It was really hard. It was really hard to tie anything back to Sailor Moon, so I, I tied it back to a film. The first film has an anime sequence in it. Oh, well, as long as there's anime, that's basically the same. And... <laughs> And by the way, just Petra, for your edification, like just uh, shout out the person. You don't have to say your name or anything. Okay. Don't raise your hand like Alex does because he always <laughs> raises his hand and then forgets that he has to actually say the name and loses. So, um, no, fuck me for being polite. That's right. <laughs> uh, so this this film has an anime sequence in it. It was directed by Quentin Tarantino and Kill Bill. Yes, it is. Yeah, I win. And that stars Lucy Liu. Okay. In the in the first one, I believe. Uh, I think she might be in the second one too for a minute. But uh, it stars Lucy Liu in that film, and then it also mainly stars another actress who was in oh oh a film with Thurman. Yes, it is. <laughs> I'm losing. And that film that oh, I was ruined, ruined about to get to was trying to describe Gattaca. Oh, I wouldn't have gotten that. I oh, I would have gotten Gattaca. I love Gattaca. 
Gattaca also stars a very famous actor who she was married, Uma Thurman was married to. For a, a, I think they have kids too. I have no idea. Who's oh man, what is that? Christian Bale. Name? No. Uh, it's not Christian Bale. Kevin uh, Costner is in it. Um, Kevin Costner. No, it's not, not it. No, it. I don't no, know it's, why I put him with Christian Bale. Home Alone head. kid is in that movie, but he doesn't have children. Oh. Thank God. Jude Law. No, Jude Law was in Gattaca. Uh, he was. Uh, God, God damn it! That's the only face I can. Not Costner. Oh, uh, uh, Batman. Mm. No. Val Kilmer. <laughs> no. Oh. No, um, this guy was also in like the before sunset, before sun, after sunrise, or what? before sunrise. Oh, we saw that movie. Is sunset. this that fucking Sugar Ray looking dude? Yes. Hold oh. on. <laughs> Not Mark Ruffalo. Oh my god, that Mark McGrath looking no. motherfucker. <laughs> Hold on. Kind of I can't. Like I'm, going I'm out. Not Mark McGrath. That guy. No, that is. No, that's not him. All right, no one's going to get any imaginary points it's, for this question. I like imaginary points, though. It's Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke. God that damn. guy. Mm. Ethan Hawke. Bird Ethan, guy. Ethan Hawke was in a film uh, where he starts as a first day on the job cop, and he's partnered with. Training day. Yes, that is true. Damn it. Wow, that was good. Damn, Jimmy's my owning favorite this gift game. Come, my favorite gift that has ever been created comes from that movie. Denzel Washington was the <laughs> main star, of, other than Ethan Hawke, of Trading Day. And he was in this film that is a Shakespearean film from 1993. Oh? Shakespearean no. film? That's not Shakespeare in Love. It, it's not Shakespeare in Love. It is a direct play Romeo of Shakespeare. Romeo and Juliet. No. It's a direct play. It is a comedy. Play. It's a comedy. Much to do about nothing. Comedy of errors. It no, is much ado oh, about that's nothing. Caleb's favorite. Yeah, it is my favorite. Sorry, you just got hit <laughs> a <laughs> lot. <fine. laughs> I got played. Uh, yeah, he played Don Pedro yep. in Much Ado About Nothing. It's my favorite of the. Well, I haven't seen some of of, of the other ones, but this is my favorite one that I've seen so far. Anyway, uh, which also stars as, as a hilarious cameo, uh, uh, Michael Keaton, uh-huh. who, who was in this film. That has two titles. One is very simple, and one is in parentheses, and is actually shown at the beginning of the film. What? Yeah. Mm. So it was an Academy Award-winning so film for Best Picture. So Denzel Washington was in a movie with Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. Yeah, much ado about nothing. Michael Keaton was in that. Okay, and so then Michael Keaton is in a movie with two titles. It has two titles. It's That's something or know. something. I need more. Oh, I think um, I feel like I cheated because I looked this up. So I'm gonna. Because I need go it. ahead. Oh, They're not going to. It's Birdman. No. Yeah, I, I, I have nothing. It's Birdman. Birdman. Yep. What was the parenthesis? The alternate title is "The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance." Yeah, which is you because it like it has Birdman at the bottom, but the the actual movie right. poster has that title on it. I, I fucking own that movie. It is an amazing film. Until else. the last ten yeah. minutes, sure. I liked the last ten minutes. I didn't as well. like it. I actually really. It's very good. Watch it. Birdman is, I believe this is an aside, but I have a really big fan in a world of 30-second cuts of every freaking scene, epileptic seizure-inducing crap we have right now. The long cut, don't slice. The long take is The amazing. long take. Dude, everyone out there is a director. Please, for the love of God, do more of it. Okay, please continue. Oh, it's Caleb. beautiful. That That is cinematically a beautiful I think movie. Drive has a really long Yes, movie. I love yeah, the movie Drive. Drive Drive might be one of my Stars favorite up. films of all time. Baby Boy, Ryan Gosling. But that is not the film. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Is so that where we end? From Birdman. No. Well, no. eventually. So, Emma Stone was in Birdman. Birdman. She was also in this film that co-starred oh, 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 our Baby oh, Boy, Oh, the one with Steve Carell. Oh, oh. It's crazy oh, Stupid oh, Love. Oh, 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 o
assist. <laughs> I give 50 I of my imaginary points to Jamie for the assist. <laughs> oh, well. Yep. So that's our six degrees. We got there very quickly. Oh, we got there. <laughs> yeah. Jamie, Jamie lost her mind. <laughs> But, so uh, we started with so, animation. There was actually no, like, it was just an anime intro. We started with, yeah, we started with Lucy Liu and Kill Bill. We went to Uma Thurman and Gattaca, Ethan Hawke and Training Day, Denzel Washington and Much Ado About Nothing, Michael Keaton and Birdman, or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance, Emma Stone in Crazy Stupid Love with Ryan Gosling. There you go. We got there. We got there. We got all the way to you, Ryan. Mm. Find me on Twitter. Uh, all right. I just want to thank everybody. Thank you so much for being here, Petra, for joining us and putting up with the shenanigans. Alex, you know, for hanging out in the background. We appreciate that lurky value that you add to the show. Looking like a Dude, dragon. I don't do that a lot. Like, I'm, us- <laughs> I'm usually so damn loud during these things. Like, I feel like maybe just give people a break, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was it. Uh, and Caleb, yep. <laughs> you know, you're cute. So thanks for that. Thanks. Uh, we also, of course, like to thank Ninja Pancake for providing us with... A network that we're part of. <laughs> it's really, really appreciated, guys. Thank you. I am not the tech value of this, by the way. Uh, thank you to Speaker Freaks for the Geek Squatch theme. Check out their music at speakerfreaks.com, spelled S P E K R, which is odd, by the way. No I've A's. never. They don't like A's. Yeah, no A's. A's they're, are for they're freaks. not fans freaks. of the vowel. So it's S P E K R F R E K S. Dot com. Or wherever Speak music is sold. Or wherever music is sold. Yeah. You sound like Speak a commercial. Thank you. Uh, subscribe to Geek Squatch on the iTunes. Rate us. Leave a comment. We like that. Even bad comments. We'll take it. Alex will read them. It's fine. Yeah, I'll read them on the show. Leave me a comment. I'll read them on the show. I don't care. <laughs> We're going to start a mean tweet section. So if you guys start with the mean tweets, that'd be really great. <laughs> yeah, you can Dire- tweet at us at Direct them at me. Pod. I'm feeling really good about myself yeah. this week. So just, just I, need, I need to be knocked down like three or four pegs. Yeah, there don't give go. them to me because... I have a very fragile ego. Uh, Visit our website. It's geeksquatch.com. Email us at podcast at geeksquatch.com. Follow Geek Squatch on Twitter at Squatch. I'm adding W's now. Quick and Squatch. No A's in Speaker Freaks and W's in Geek Squatch, everybody. That's not true. Well, the first part is. Uh, So we're on Twitter at geeksquatchpod. And anybody got anything special to plug tonight, Alex? Oh man, um, yeah. You can just you can find me on Twitter at w a hirsch h i r s c h. Um, again, yeah. Send me all those mean tweets. I want those. <laughs> I would say follow me on Twitch, but like it's I don't know how regular it's going to be. I just get I just get super drunk and play Skyrim. So he, that yeah, sounds amazing. I would watch that stream. I'm just it saying. It's, it, it was a big deal. <laughs> Speaking of things we like to watch, Petrocat09, you got something to plug? Yeah, sure. So you can guys can catch me every Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday nights. Uh, well, so Sunday uh, around 12 o'clock Pacific time, I do Siege Sunday. We play Rainbow Six Siege as well as Tuesday, Thursdays. I stream around 8.30 p.m. Pacific as well. Um, I play a variety of games, everything from shooters to indies to your random RPGs, and I will be starting up Dark Souls 3 here shortly, which promises is to be a rage, rage mm. fest beyond known knowledge. Uh, it's it's going to be bad. You should play as Ryan Gosling. I, I will <laughs> do my best to play Dark Souls played, as Ryan Gosling. Taylor Swift. Yeah, I did. I played as Taylor Swift. It was great. It was a good time. Okay. Uh, Taylor you can, Swift. <laughs> you can also catch me around uh, the Twitch sphere doing a lot of Dungeons and Dragons role play. So uh, 
it's a good thing. So you can follow me at Twitter at uh, PetraCat09, as well as on Twitch at PetraCat09. So hope to uh, see you guys all and uh, come join the Pertalion. We have a good time together. Woohoo. Kalib? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at CalebMCC. And uh, that's about it. I'm not really interesting these days. I'm playing a lot of Destiny. and uh, Don't be ashamed. And, yeah, I'm ashamed of it. Don't be ashamed. Well, I'm the big gamer of the group, so there's that. I play a whole lot of Candy Crush by myself, and nice. uh, you can't play it with me. But if you want to play by yourself, it's really fun and addicting, so there's that. She is a gamer. She doesn't realize it yet. <laughs> that's about she all is. I got. I play for about 10 minutes a day uh, at work. Hey, that's, and... your, that's your daily. We don't, we don't, we don't... I'm going to teach you a word. That is called your daily mission. Oh, that's my, my daily mission yep. is to crush the candies. Yes. Yeah, man. That's what I do. We don't hate. We don't hate. We elevate. You play Candy Crush, you're welcome here. It's all mm-hmm. good. Uh, and that's about all I got. So you're on Twitter too. I am on the Twitter at Traffic Jamie J A I M E. Uh, that's my Twitter, my Instagram, my Facebook, my everything. The brand. The brand. That's me. Uh, and if you want to see cute pictures of my kids and me working out a lot, that's uh, pretty much all you're gonna find there. So some so people me. are into that. Some people are into that. Yeah. I'm hot. I mean, what are you? Gonna I do? can beat you up. <gasps> Not you, the people That's... who are into that, who are creepy. I was I was like, Damn, <laughs> domestic. Wow, this this went. South I realized quickly. that that sounded bad, and then I fixed it. Uh huh. <laughs> Maybe. <clears throat> All right, guys. Oh, on that oh. happy, happy note. <laughs> I gotta get out of here. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Brandon, Colin, we miss you, and look forward to your return. So this shit show will not happen again. Um, yeah, I think we're out. See ya. Bye. You just want, like, a, hey, we're going to do Ryan Gosling, here's Caleb. Yeah, basically. We're going to do Ryan Gosling, here's Caleb, to do, do Ryan Gosling. <laughs> no lube. Brandon, keep that in. <laughs> <laughs>